0: Greetings. Hello. Salutations. I am so glad that you've decided to join me for the Remarkable Orator podcast. I'm Anika Apple, and I'm your host. It is my pleasure to be your guide on this journey, on your path to self-love, to introspection, belonging, community, healing all through the power of storytelling stories are amazing they have the ability to help us see ourselves they have the ability to help us feel heard and feel connected and when I think about the way that the last year has gone we've had such a significant amount of personal distance it's interesting that although we have been able to use technology to keep us connected, there still is this sense of growing disconnect in people and communities, the unrest that we see in society around us, the disappointment in watching businesses uh, torn apart and families, suffering loss and grief. This desire for connection and community and belonging has impacted all of us. And this is the reason why it is such an important task for us to spend some time having some introspection, really thinking about what we want, who we want to be, how we want to evolve, and most importantly, how we heal from the trauma and the experiences, the disappointments, the challenges, the things that we've not yet forgiven ourselves for, so that we can heal and move on, that we can walk in our purpose, we can experience joy and peace and love, and then be a catalyst for change in our lives, in our communities, in the lives of others, bringing forth, really, glory and unity across all communities. That is my hope. I'm so glad that you've decided that this is a place you'd like to spend your time. What I can commit to you is transparent and honest stories. The guests that I will have here have lots of different experiences and learnings that they'll share. Many are people that I know personally who've enriched my life and helped me along my journey. Some you may have heard of and some you may not, but I can promise you that whoever I bring to you will have an impact, that they will share stories about the experiences that they've had on their path to healing and enlightenment. And I know that it will be a blessing to you. So again, thank you for joining me on this journey. It is my pleasure to share stories with you. Thank you for listening to The Remarkable Orator. I give you episode one. Stage right. When I think about The Remarkable Orator, it really is about this extraordinary gift of voice and speaking. And that is one of the things that God has blessed me with. And so I'm glad that you're here because it is my intent to use this platform to be able to reach you at a place where I can connect you to the belonging that you may long for. I think it's important for all of us to see and hear ourselves in stories, to understand that we're not in this journey by ourselves, to connect to people who might have experienced what I have through different times of my life of feeling lonely, Um, or by myself or lost looking for that belonging and connection, wanting to hear myself reflected in the things that I read and things that I listen to, um, and, and to know that it's going to be okay. And that I will share this path with so many others that are on a similar journey and through this platform. I will tell you stories and some of those stories will be my own stories, some of them will be stories of people who have shared those stories with me and many of them will be stories that are delivered um, to you through my guests, Um, some which you may know, some which you may not. Um, but who also have had great success in their journey to belonging and have a great understanding of the human condition Um, and will sit in a place where they can truly help illuminate some things to you um, that will be helpful as you're walking your own path. And so weekly, we'll have the opportunity to share space together um, and that you will have an opportunity to hear and find yourself in the messaging that we share. I believe that healing comes through storytelling and that when we truly can identify with and understand how people got from one side of a situation to another, that it helps to give us the hope that we too will be able to make it through. Um, and it is through that, through the art of storytelling and through conversation that I believe you will find pieces of yourself that will create the space for you to reflect and have introspection that helps you to begin your process to heal. Interestingly, When I think about the gift of storytelling, one of the things that is just super um, beneficial for me has been journaling. I am an avid journaler. At any given time, I might have two or three (laughs) journals going on. Um, But I just think that it is incredibly beneficial to journal daily. And I find that you know journaling um, about how I feel and what I'm experiencing, what I'm learning, provides an opportunity for me to look back at where I've been. So I can see my growth. I can also see um, some of the lessons that are maybe salient that I need to be reminded of. It seems like I always read back um, in my journal at times and find, you know, words, phrases, stories, scriptures that are so apropos for me in that very moment that I reread them. And so I find that that kind of continued learning lives on in your journal. The other thing that journaling has been really great for me to do is when I hear, um, when I hear podcasts, um, when I listen to guest speakers, when I'm reading is capturing some of the things that I think are really salient. Um, so that they are things that I can then bring back in my moments of meditation. And so I encourage you um, to grab a piece of paper, grab a journal, I think there might be some pieces in the conversation today that really resonate for you. So throughout the podcast, what you can expect is that I will typically start off with a story, bring a message from myself or from the guests, and then close with some last remarks. And so that's what our time together will look like. Today's gonna be a little bit different because I'm gonna tell you a little bit about myself and then I'm gonna talk about um, one of the the, um, messages, divine messages that I think um, is most appropriate to start on our journey together. And then I'll close out um, with some last remarks and and kind of of a speed round today. So let's go ahead and get started. So I'm going to tell you a story once upon a time in a land far away. I'm just kidding. This story is really about how this podcast came to be. So over the last year, I have gone through a um, an interesting transformation. I would call it a transformation because there have been so many different parts of my life that have shifted. Um, it's it is almost unrecognizable to where it is today. Um, in the last year, marked by COVID, so it is in 2021 where we sit today at the time of this podcast. Um, But truly through the year of 2020, I changed jobs twice, got a divorce, had a hysterectomy, moved. um, And, yeah, I'm not sure what didn't happen in 2020. Um, Oh, yeah, and I lost mm, somewhere around 40-ish pounds, I think, during the year. I'm at a weight loss around 70 pounds from when I started um, in 2019. So yeah, there's been a lot (laughs) that's happened. Um, And I would just tell you that I have never been as close to source as I am right now um and the source universe god whatever you um, may call our source that brings everything together for me it is god um but i've never been as close to god as i am um, in this time and what i recognize is that through the last year he consistently moved things out of the way that were standing between me and him, between me and his will for my life, between us um, and the purpose that he had designed for me. Throughout 2020, interestingly, there were a multitude of different places um, between groups that I was a part of, the jobs that I worked um, and some other interesting um, situations where people said there's just something about your voice. Your voice is so calming. In the time of this pandemic, it's been a pleasure to hear your voice. Your voice always helps me to relax. I feel so calm when I feel your when I hear your voice. I just know that I can trust what you tell me when I hear your voice. And it was not lost on me all year long that more than ever before that people were just constantly talking about the voice. And I am one of those people who, if I recorded myself on a message that I've left for someone, I would not want to replay it because I'm like, it's with me all the time. What's special about it? I don't necessarily get it. And it's funny because when so many people started to call out this piece around voice, I'm like, I don't really know what that means. Like, what is it about my voice? In the beginning of 2020, at the beginning of the year, I was refining my purpose. And I had been evolving this purpose statement for a couple of years. Um, And where I landed was to be the advocate so that others can find and use their voice. And it was interesting for me that I picked the word voice because I don't know that I necessarily assume that advocate means voice it's certainly you absolutely do use your voice to advocate for others. There's no question about that. But I also think about advocating for them as the act of doing something so that you're creating the space for people. And I hadn't necessarily thought about voice as being the way that you create that action. And so interestingly, when I started to meditate on this piece around voice, and really asking God to reveal to me, why does this thing about voice keep coming up over and over and over again? What is it that I am supposed to do with voice? Um, And eventually, what God shared with me is that you will create healing through your voice. Um, And you can imagine, you might even feel this way right now as you hear me say this, like, well, what does that mean? What does it look like? Because that's where I sat for quite a bit of time. And as the year progressed, I became clearer and clearer that it really is about storytelling and using my voice in that way. Since that time, I've started um, a YouTube channel, and on the YouTube channel, I share some divine messages, Um, as well as a series called Wisdom Daily with Anika Apple, where I do right now the series um, that I'm in is called The Pearls of Proverbs. And it's a walk through the book of Proverbs, um, really verse by verse through each chapter, helping to identify wisdom and instruction and helping people to apply that. To their daily lives, so that's the that is one of the ways in which God had created space for me with with for my voice. What I know that has come from that is this podcast, and I'm clear that this is this was not me waking up one day and saying I'm going to do a podcast. That this really is divinely led, and that it is an intention of God's to connect this stage with the purpose that he has defined for me and it is my hope that you will always hear him coming through um, in what i share that it is really divinely led and that this is a place where you can come and really hear yourself reflected because god's love flows through me to wherever this message is meeting you Um, And that feels really big and daunting. And at the same time, it also feels like, yeah, it is absolutely what I am supposed to do and where I am supposed to be and what I am supposed to share. And I am grateful to be used as a vessel in this way Um, and appreciative that you would tune in to listen to this message and that and um, full of hope that you will find it valuable to you that you will begin to experience whatever healing needs you may have being met and that more than anything, you will start to see and feel the kind of belonging that you've been looking for. So in terms of messaging today, I want to share um, a message that is called your future is greater than your fears. And The reason that I think this is so apropos for this first podcast episode is because I have stage fright. That's right, stage fright. So Anika, tell us again, you started a podcast, you've got a YouTube channel, which you do Mondays through Saturdays. So six days a week you are putting messages together based on the Bible and posting them for the world to see see, but you have stage fright. Really? Yes. Yes. As a matter of fact, I do. I have stage fright. Well, here's the thing. It's not really stage fright because I actually really do like stage. As a matter of fact, give me a stage and a microphone and a couple hundred people and I can just kind of go to town. I actually love stage To be on stage. I love to speak on stage. I love the opportunity to share messages from that place. What's daunting for me is this podcast where there's no energy flowing from you back to me. I have to imagine how these words are landing on you. And it's the same when I do the YouTube, Um, it was really difficult in the beginning to get comfortable looking back at myself (laughs) as I created videos rather than looking and feeling the energy from the audience like I recognize that that is what I crave and I cannot wait until post covid where I have the opportunity to do that again and really see people as I speak to them but let's talk a little bit more about this stage fright thing. So I think, you know, I'm saying stage fright, but quite honestly, I'm really not getting to the root of what it is. Cause it's really not stage that I'm afraid of. It's really just fear. If you peel it back, let's get rid of the fancy label and let's call it what it is. It's fear. And that fear is around whether or not you or anyone else would find what I share with you worthy, whether it would have worth for you, whether it would connect you, whether it would help you along your journey. And it's so interesting because fear is so rooted in so much of our behavior. It's so rooted in so much of what holds us back. and. We tend to really relate our fears of letting people down and of not meeting the external validation. And I know for me personally that that's been a really big part of the journey. Like when I talked about all of the things that happened in 2020, one of the biggest things for me was stepping into a place where I decided that I was not going to allow external validation to run my life, that I would not be so beholden to others' opinions that I didn't know where mine was anymore. And quite honestly, that's where I was when I started off the beginning of last year. One of the stories that I've shared in a couple other places is, is this time where my best friend said to me, where do you find joy? What brings you joy? And I said to her, "Um, I don't know. (laughs) And if you can imagine just being in a space where, you know, you are posed with the question, what brings you joy and not being able to answer it. I was um, yeah, taken aback. And what really was unsettling is that when I got off the phone with her, I still didn't know the answer and later i still didn't know the answer and a couple weeks went by and i still didn't have the answer it actually took me a couple of months to get to a place where i was like oh yeah this is part of what brings me joy like i could immediately say oh my kids bring me joy and i love my job and you know things like that but when really pushed to the root of joy. What is it really that you are doing? How are you intentionally ensuring that you have joy? If you take the other people out of the equation, how do you ensure that you are joyful? How do you define joy? How do you hold joy? How do you create joy in your life for yourself? And that had a big question mark at the end. And what I decided during the course of really peeling back where I was in my life and getting an understanding of who I wanted to be on the other side of all of this change that was happening was that I would never depart from joy again. I have found joy in being rooted in my spirituality and my connection with source in the universe. I have found joy in speaking my truth. I have found joy in the remembering that I have purpose here that is significant and is ordained. Um, I have found joy in learning that I am an earth angel and that it positions me to be able to create impact for others, that I have the opportunity to share joy with other people, that I have the opportunity to help them find their purpose. And I love that. I am so grateful for that. And so there's joy there. And there's joy in some of the things that I had taken for granted for such a long time. It's funny, I've always been someone who really enjoyed going to the beach and um, being outside for me was always marked with sunlight. But over the last year or so, particularly as a part of my journey to better health, physical health, I spent a lot more time walking outside. And I found joy again in just looking at the beauty of the trees and watching flowers throughout their, their life cycle and enjoying the days where there was rain, knowing that there would be sun coming after it. Like, I started to recognize joy again in so many of the things that I was taking for granted. Where have you lost sight of joy? What joy can you derive from some of the small things that you might be overlooking right now? If I had my journal open, I would take that down as a journal prompt because I do think that there's intentionality that we have to have in looking at the things that we see every single day and remembering why They bring us joy, having gratitude for those things. And so along this path of joy, I recognized that one of the things that was blocking my joy was this feeling handicapped in connection to others expectations of me. There was a moment in the year where I was like, I'm just going to go do this crazy thing that I just typically would never do because I just don't want to be beholden to what everybody else thinks I should. I'm just over that. I just am not going to to be to live by other people's expectations. What I wasn't sure of at the time is what I was replacing it with. Were they my expectations? Was it God's? And throughout my journey, I became very clear that it was about what it was about living up to what God had purposed in my life. And that, that also meant being aligned to what I believe is right in my life because I desire to be in full alignment with God at all times. And so that, has helped to bring forward joy. But this fear, I tell you, continues to creep its head in here and there. And I've started a journey to understand where it came from. See, all of us have fears and they have come from experiences that then created stories for us that we tell ourselves over and over again. So I ask you, what stories in your life are reminding you that you should be fearful? What stories? Taking a step back to stage fright, let me tell you where I think it came from. When I was a kid, there was nothing that I wanted more than to be an actress. It's funny because if my mom were here, she would tell you, well, actually, the truth is She wanted to be an actress, a flight attendant, um, a nurse, a lawyer. I had this, and and, um, a preacher. Like, I wanted, I had this whole litany of things I was going to do every single week. And I mean, I had it planned plotted and planned out. I was going to be a nurse on the airplane and put band-aids on people as we flew from one coast to the other. When I got to, I lived in New Jersey, so when I got to LA to get on set, I was going to play, I was going to be an actress and I was going to be playing an attorney there. And then I would just very quickly fly back to the East Coast on Sunday so I could deliver a sermon. I mean, I had it all planned out. But acting for me was truly where I thought I was purposed. I really, really wanted to be an actress. And I had, I had talked to my parents about acting classes for quite a bit. And I think at this point I was probably around maybe seven or eight. And I remember, um, that, that they finally signed me up for an acting class. And I went to the acting class. I only went to one, which is an interesting part of the story. Um, but as I went to this class, the instructor took us through a couple of exercises. Oh, I just remember having so much fun and being so excited, sitting there on a stage in the chair and going through these different exercises. And then the unthinkable happened. He asked us to cry on the spot. Each person had an exercise they had to do and they had to cry. And when it got to me, I sat there with all of those people staring at me, waiting for the tears to fall. And what they didn't know is that I couldn't cry. I used to say my crier was broken (laughs) and my crier was broken because I was a bit of a crybaby when I was growing up and um, my cousins on the dad's side of my family. they picked on me quite a bit, you know, and, and I know that um, those, those family dynamics are, are not unusual. I'm sure that you've experienced uh, some of that banter back and forth. Um, but as an only child, there was not much more than I wanted than belonging. I was definitely an only child who wanted siblings, who felt lonely and often unseen. And so when I had the opportunity to be around my cousins on either side of the family, I looked forward to it because it was just awesome to be able to have time and fun and people to talk to and play with. And I just missed a lot of that. Um, And so interestingly, I think. to pick on me quite a bit. And I think it was exacerbated by the fact that they could very easily make me cry. I think they thought that was pretty fun. And I'm sure there were some other dynamics. As a matter of fact, I know there were other dynamics connected to it, but ultimately I cried a lot. And then they called me a crybaby, which made me cry even more. Um, And yeah, it just wasn't great. And so at some point, The crying became really scary for me because not only were they poking fun at the fact that I would that at whatever it was that would that made me cry. But then it was at the fact that I was crying and then crying made me feel vulnerable and I didn't want to feel vulnerable. I absolutely wanted to um, feel really like comfortable in my own skin and I didn't. And so I decided that I wasn't crying anymore. I'm done. Like, you know, enough of these tears. And I worked really, really hard on not crying. So no one could call me a crybaby. And I wouldn't be picked on in that way. And it just wasn't worth it to share that emotion with the world. Because then the world told me something about myself that I didn't like. So fast forward to this acting class where this, you know, instructor who just doesn't know that what he just asked me to do is pretty much the worst possible request he could have had on day one of the acting class. And not only, you know, do I have this dynamic where I just don't like to be judged, which is absolutely how I felt in that moment. But on top of that. He's asking me to cry, which is like the biggest fear for me is that having to be vulnerable in front of all of these people. And may I remind you, this peer group is like a group of like six to eight year old kids, like seriously, who probably cried just as much as I did in the days before. But I had worked so hard to not cry that I just couldn't give in. And as I sat there, he peered at me and he said, has nothing bad ever happened to you? Are you really not able to cry? Like, just think of something sad. There has to be something you've experienced in your life that was sad. Ah, oh, and it's funny as I sit here at 46 and I think about all of the things by eight years old that had happened to me that were sad. I mean, I think at this point, my parents were getting divorced. And so I knew that um, my dad traveled a lot for his job and I missed him a lot when he wasn't there. Um, Yeah, I'd experienced some family members who passed away and others who were sick. So, yeah, I had had some sad things happen. And it was because of that, that I didn't want to cry. And here's the thing. So the reason I never went back is because I just knew if I continued to go back, he was going to keep pushing me to cry. And that one of two things was going to happen. Either I was going to cry and I wouldn't be able to stop. Or I wouldn't cry. And then eventually I wouldn't be able to continue on in this path that I had defined as one of the roles that I wanted to have in life. Long story short, it's not the only reason that I did not become an actress. But I would tell you that what I did carry with me is this stage fright and okay. 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 You're right. You're right. It's not stage fright. It's fear. But this fear of being judged, of not being good enough, of not, um, of not being seen, of being made fun of, for being vulnerable, all of those things, all of those stories that were there for me at that point in my life, they carried on with me throughout my life. And interestingly, If you study what happens in the world enough, you can find other evidence to support whatever you believe. Let me say that again. If you study what happens in the world long enough, you can find evidence to support what you believe. So here's the thing. I believed that being vulnerable was not a good thing. And that when I was vulnerable that people would make fun of me and therefore that somehow diminished my value. And so this piece around anytime I'm vulnerable and things not going right just kind of became the self-fulfilling prophecy. So the fear of this external validation became a driving force for me and what that looked like, how it showed up in the world was at work doing everything I could to be an overcomer all the time, being relentless, and in some cases, making the decision not to do things because I just wasn't sure if I could do it and be perfect. And then in other cases, being so disconnected to my feelings and emotions that it cost me some relationships. It cost me the intimacy in some of the friendships that I could have achieved if I had just been able to be vulnerable enough to let people in. And what it cost me over the years, up until the time that I turned from 45 to 46, was joy. Because in this space of being so attuned to, the other people in my life's needs, wants, and expectations of me, I lost sight of what those needs, wants, and expectations of myself were. And I struggled to get back to what those things truly were. And so when I tell you about stage fright and fear, and fear is something that I know will come up over and over again throughout stories that you'll hear on, this, on the podcast, because it is the thing that gets in our way most often when we are on the way to our purpose. And it shows up in so many different ways and the more that you can identify the sources of your fear the faster that you will be able to look them in the eye and move past them the faster you'll be able to identify it as it starts to creep up and knock it out of the way so it doesn't knock you off your square in when you know what it is that holds you back it cannot keep hold over you. I will say that again, when you know what it is, it can't keep a hold over you. So when you think about this dynamic of what it is that you are fearful of, you can own it when you can call it what it is and external validation is a big one of mine. And so how do I start to push past that fear? One of the most important things for me was creating a daily affirmation about moving past external validation. And what I defined for myself is that everything that I do is for an audience of one, meaning at the end of the day, the happiness, satisfaction that I want to come from whatever I do and how I do it has to come from God. And as long as God feels good, about the way that i am living and what i am doing then it is all right with me it is okay if the balance of the world disagrees because i don't do it for them i do it for him i exist because he put me here I exist to bring glory to him. And at the end of the day, as long as I can remember that in my moments where I get caught up in the world again, I try to bring myself back to that place. And the external validation, the hold that people have for me came from me not feeling comfortable to speak in in my truth. For example, back in the acting class at eight years old, had I been able to have the wisdom I have today, I would have looked at the instructor and said, listen, I've had plenty of experiences crying. I've cried for the first eight years of my life. And so (laughs) here today, I'm not gonna do that. What other emotion would you like to see from me? I could have challenged back the paradigm I could have decided that it was okay for me to cry, because it didn't matter if all of those people were sitting there staring at me. What mattered was that being able to cry on demand was one of the the things that I had to be able to do in order to move in the direction of my dreams. Why would uh, the fear of these people who I didn't know. This literally was our first and my only acting class together. I didn't know them. So why did it matter more than moving in the direction of our, of our dreams? And at eight, that was the decision I made. And I want you to hear that because as adults, We have these moments all the time where we allow someone else's judgment or their decision or their opinion of what we do to stand in the way of moving towards our dreams. Someone tells you that you can't accomplish something or that you don't have the ability to get to wherever it is that you've defined for yourself and you believe them. Why? Since when? Do they get to determine the altitude of your life? They don't. You do. You get to determine the altitude of your life. You get to make the choice. You get to make the decision. You have the determination about what you can and cannot accomplish in this world. It is yours. And if you are a believer in the universe, in source, in God, then you will know truly it comes from him. Because before you were born, you were designed with purpose in mind. And so surely as you submit yourself to service for the universe, to alignment with source, You know that you can accomplish what you were designed to do. And so no one gets to tell you that you can't. But we get so afraid of the things that we experience in life that we allow them to stop us from moving forward. We get so afraid that someone's going to judge us or someone's going to say that's not good enough and we're going to believe it that we don't even try. We give up. And if we give up on ourselves, who is standing for us? Who's pushing for us? Who is propelling you forward if you don't believe in you? And I'm telling you that your purpose was uniquely defined for you. That's why it's your purpose. It means. That everything that you need in order to deliver that purpose to the world is already within you. The skills, the talent, the ideas, you already have them. You just have to bring them forward and you have to decide that the fear that you may have, your stage fright, is not going to own you. It's okay to have fear, fear, stress, whatever you want to identify it as. There's some portion of that that we need every single day. It's what gets us out of bed. It's what makes sure that we make good decisions. It keeps us moving along the right path. All of that is fine. It's when you allow it to cripple you that it's a concern. It's when you allow it to stand in between you and your dreams. It's when you allow it to cause you to not experience joy that you've got to turn the dial in a different direction. Recently, a good friend of mine asked me, what do you want? And for someone, I told you about my affirmations and how much I've worked on this, and I've done a really great job of speaking my truth in so many places. And I have found that I still have some vulnerable spots and I'm working on those consciously working on those. I'm letting people know to expect me to speak my truth. I'm letting people know that's what they should expect from me, that that's what they're going to see, that that's what they're going to feel. And by doing that, I create a contract with myself that I can't show up any differently because I've already told them to expect me to speak my truth. And so it's a way of putting myself on notice. Like you can't just slide out of here and just not share your truth. You have to because you've already committed to it. And so I'm doing that. But here's the thing, when it comes back to looking myself in the mirror and telling myself what I want, sometimes I fall short. And so this external validation continues to have an impact because when I think about what it is that I don't want to do for myself, what do I not wanna tell myself about um, what it is I want, it's for fear that what I want will not be an alignment with the people that I love most. I can think about um, my children and the decision to move. This has been a really, really significant one for them. You know, there were two places I identified potentially that I wanted to move. One child like one place, one child like the other. Neither place is where their father is. And so the dynamic of those three critically important people in, in my life and their lives was really difficult to face into because someone was going to be unhappy. And there was no way to satisfy all of those parties. The funny thing is, as much as I went back and forth over the decision, the one person whose wants I really did not center in on were mine. And at some point in the process, I realized like, I, I don't really know what I want. Well, what do I want? Well, what do I base it on? And I went to a very logical pros and cons list and all of that stuff. And I just had a difficult time getting real. And I realized finally that my decision to be indifferent about which which place was better was really about my not wanting to impact another person again, focusing on external validation. Here's the thing. We can't spend our lives trying to satisfy everybody else. You can't pour from a cup that is empty if you are not filling your cup up enough for you. If you are not making decisions that are in alignment with bringing you joy. If you cannot ensure that your needs are met first and always, you cannot help others. During the time of the pandemic, I've never heard um, put the the mask on yourself first before you put it on others any more than I ever have in the history of life. And I have flown a lot <laughs> across the course of my lifetime. But I just got to tell you, I was like at the, at the point of like almost ad nauseum of hearing it, it really hit me. I had to put the oxygen mask on myself first. I had to ensure that I had joy. If I have joy, my kids will have joy. Maybe they'll still have to choose their own joy, but I create an environment that's joyful because I'm responsible as their parent to create the environment for them. Certainly it's going to be difficult for them to thrive if I'm not, and I can pour more into them. I can help them to choose joy for themselves by my example. If they see me really leaning in and living into it. And sometimes that means exposing the places where we are not having joy. It means allowing that vulnerability to show through and knowing that it's okay, because on the other side of it, they're going to have exactly what they need, because they've had the opportunity to witness it from you. My son said to me in November of last year, and this is post all of the things I listed in the beginning that I went through and, and, and some of the things that I didn't share. But he said to me, I've never seen you happier than you are right now in my entire life. He's 12 at the time of this recording. And that was a pretty big deal to me because if you think about the tumultuous year that COVID and all of the um, impact of racism and social injustice um, and even even the political landscape, all of the, the things external to me and then all of the things that I've shared with you that I went through, They certainly are all, they don't make up for like the best year of your life. Like that's kind of not what you think about if you design your year at the beginning of the year, I don't think that these things are on the list yet through source, I found joy through speaking my truth, I lived in joy. I let go of things that were not serving me. I brought in new things that were. I spent time with myself. I got to know who I was again. And it was evident to my son that in the midst of the most challenging year likely of my life, that I had joy. And the fact that he could hear it and identify it for me was huge because then I knew he will also be okay coming through all of the dynamics of all the things that have happened because he can see that even though this was a difficult experience to go through, that I'm okay. And it signals that it was the right thing, even though it created a really painful impact for him and his sister. And so, yeah, these are the things that we experience when we are sitting in places where we allow stage fright to take over, our fear to take over. Because what I would submit to you is that I know for sure over the last 20 years of my life, had I leaned more leaned into more of speaking my truth had i been more comfortable allowing vulnerability to show had i always um considered putting the mask on myself first and i say consider because even if i didn't do it all the time if i acknowledged that i was worth putting the oxygen mask on first i know that it would have shifted things in my life i am very clear that my decision not to take care of myself first had a significant impact on the things that happened thereafter. And it is my charge to you to examine your own experience to make sure you are doing that for yourself. I in no way am encouraging you to be selfish, but I am encouraging you to embrace self-care to make sure that you are honoring yourself. Because when you don't honor yourself, the things that happen in relationships have the ability to implode because you've not taken care of you. And the other person in your relationships, name a kind of relationship, and this is applicable, but they're not able to do what they can to best support you because they don't really know what you need. And you own that. You are responsible for sharing that. So as I close out this message, I hope that you have heard truly how important it is to focus in on the stage fright, okay, the fear in your life and If there is this connection to the world validating you, I just want to encourage you to let it go. Decide for yourself that you are critically important for your own understanding of the path that you are to be on and that, yes, Of course, the feelings and things, you know, related to others matter, but they can't matter more than yours matter to taking care of yourself that is critical and we have just experienced so many things in society that have taught us that that's not the way i would submit that just from a typical gender role that women often as girls are encouraged to be nurturers and to think about always caring for other people and and we are we can often be conditioned to reach out and value others above ourselves. And what I know for sure is that that's a dangerous place to be because it's difficult to always give and not become resentful if there's not pouring back into you happening in the same way. Even for those who don't give for a return. Some people are givers and they give looking to get something back. Some truly give, from their own heart, from their own place of love and without any expectations of it being returned to them. But the reality is that they still may not get that, get it back, and then they're empty and then that's where the resentment comes in is like I don't have anything left for myself and I know because I'm speaking from experience that absolutely is part of what I experienced in so many different places across my life um, from friendships to my marriage to you know work relationships and situations where I just poured and poured and poured and then I had nothing left for me. Um, I would tell you too that one of the things i think that's a a really great journal prompt is where in your life are you not making yourself a priority so if i think about my weight loss journey a big place for me was in not making the time to do things that would support me in my best health there were many times throughout my the course of my life where i ate really really well but I always skipped breakfast. I was not a big breakfast eater and that had an impact on my metabolism. Um, there were times where I would get crazed with yoga or exercise, but then I didn't sleep well and that had an impact. And so you get the this, this cycle here, right? And so taking care of myself was not just about this commitment to what I'm eating and exercise, et cetera, and sleep, but it was, how do you put that first above everything else? I was in, in um, a conference and I heard a speaker who talked about carving out time for herself and making the alignment with her family, that they didn't disturb her during that time. And I was baffled. I was like, are you kidding me? Really? Like, that's amazing. And I would have never thought about doing it. As a matter of fact, when I first thought about it, I was like, oh my gosh, no, that would upset the household so much. And it's hysterical because now I find that my kids will see me in the morning and they're like, ooh, I'm so sorry. Am I in the middle of Miracle Morning? And I'm like, yeah, you are, buddy. And they leave. It's the most brilliant thing ever. They will go because they respect that that is my time for me. And it was not that difficult to set that boundary, but it did require intentionality and it required me putting myself first. And so that's what I wanna encourage you to look at. Where are the places where you're not putting yourself first and make yourself a note, write about it in the journal, create some intentions. What will you do to shift that? And if you only can do one thing for yourself this week, Pick it and do it every single day and then journal about the difference about how you feel, because what I would submit to you that last year, the year of 2020 was 365 days. Was it leap year? Anyway, my point is the entire year, every day I had to remember to choose me, so it wasn't Like I flipped a switch and overnight I became this person who no longer is beholden to external validation because I still battle things today. But for sure, I got better and better with practice. And you know that 30 days can help you make something a habit. And so I would just submit to you to just start, just start creating the space for you to be important. Create the space for you to address your fear, create the space for you to just have some mind time to think about what brings you joy. Because when you do these things, when you start to get closer to the center of who you are, I know that your path to your purpose will become clearer for you. And ultimately that is what we all want. So I hope that you have enjoyed your time today, that this has been a remarkable conversation and it has brought forward some thoughts for you and that you feel encouraged about being on your path. I wanna stop with the last remarks today and stop with a moment of gratitude. And my moment of gratitude um, today is for the people in my life who encourage boundaries. Not everyone in my life has is someone who sets great boundaries for themselves or encourages others to set boundaries. But there are some who are really, really good. My mom's very best friend, her name is Carol Bassett. We call her CC. Cece always says take unto thyself that which is needed and she taught my mom that um, as best friends often impart such incredible wisdom and my mom has shared that with me and it has become a part of how i think about things it really stuck with me all throughout the year last year and i would tell you that that's one of the things i think about when i think about setting boundaries So today's moment of gratitude is about those boundaries. Who are the people in your life that tell you to take onto thyself that which is needed? Who are the people that encourage boundaries? Who are the people that model having great boundaries for you? Because instead of being frustrated by the boundaries, be encouraged that you too can be like them. And putting yourself at the front of the list, at the front of the line, being the first one that you take care of. Because when you do that, I submit to you, you will find more joy, you will have more to pour into others, and you will not be left feeling depleted and empty. So these are our last remarks for today. Take unto thyself that which is needed. So incredibly grateful for that nugget of inspiration and I hope that it will be a blessing to you as you leave the podcast with me today. Thank you for joining me for The Remarkable Orator. This is Anika Apple, and it has been my pleasure to take you on the journey today and to share my stories with you. I look forward to talking with you again soon. See you next time.